Welcome to the More Happiness, Less Suffering podcast. I'm Casey Howe, Senior Meditation and Dharma Teacher for Inside LA. And I'm Dr. Monisha Vasa, Psychiatrist. In our little podcasting studio in Orange County, California, we bring wisdom from the couch and the cushion to your real-life questions and struggles. So grab a cup of tea and join us. We're, We're so glad, glad you're, you're here. here. Welcome back to the More Happiness, Less Suffering podcast. As always, we are so grateful to have you with us. And today we are very, very excited to have a special guest uh, with us who is a, a dear friend of mine. And so today we have Dr. Rashmi Bismarck, um, and we're very excited to uh, have have Rashmi and uh, chat with her about her journey and her current work. Um, so welcome, Rashmi. Hi, Manisha. Hi, Casey. So nice to join you both. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so you much for, for coming here. <laughs> so let me just start with a little bit of an introduction. Um, so Rashmi is a physician who is trained in preventative medicine. She is also a mindfulness and meditation teacher and facilitator, a yoga teacher. She is an author of the amazing children's book, Finding Om, which we will talk a lot about today, and also a mother. <laughs> so a very, very busy, uh, busy uh, woman and physician and teacher. And so, yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. And we were really looking forward to kind of doing a deep dive into all those different parts of who you are and what you do. Wonderful. Looking forward to chatting more about it all. <laughs> yeah, so let's just start at the beginning. So maybe share with us a little bit about maybe kind of where you're from, um, where you're speaking to us from today, and kind of your, your path to uh, maybe both uh, medicine and mindfulness, and uh, yeah, just a general overview. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so I'm calling you all from the small town that I grew up in, in upstate New York. It's called Cheryl, New York, and it's in the land of the Oneida Indian Nation, and we're, let's see, we're kind of like right in between Syracuse and Utica, um, so really in the heart of New York State, <laughs> you can imagine the state. And my parents immigrated here from Kerala in South India back in the 70s. And this is the town I grew up in. And um, so I grew up in a, a Hindu home. So we, my, my dad had quite a spiritual practice and a contemplative practice. And so I kind of grew up, you know, seeing him engaging in his own practice. And Actually, our um, the, our family altar was right outside my bedroom window or bedroom mm -hmm. door. So, so pretty much it was like I'd wake up to them in the morning <laughs> to him doing his uh, mantra, his meditation. So I'd hear him ring the bell and do all mm -hmm. these things as I'd wake up in the morning. So it was kind of um, difficult to escape getting sort of pulled in a little bit here and there, mm -hmm. and then um, I was always really fascinated with. Um, a lot of our traditions um, and you know my mom always jokes too like I was always like really curious about like 
you know, we'd have all, my dad loved to tell, to tell stories. And so we, you know, he'd be telling stories from Mahabharata or Ramayana or, or Krishna stories. And I was always really curious about like the sages, like how did they get to know what they know or, you know, like mm-hmm. how, how, how is this happening, you know? And um, so I was always really inquisitive and I always wanted to know like, you know, how, how are things happening or why are we doing what we're doing? And Fortunately, my dad was um, really open to teaching me as much as he knew anyway, here and there along the way. And so, you know, and then I grew up and and um, started to have my own health issues, actually, as a child had um, was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition for which we ended up pursuing some Ayurvedic treatment for an Ayurvedic medicine. And that was another avenue that really sort of... Um, piqued my curiosity about healing and health and all the different ways that there are across the world to approach health and well-being. Um, so at that time, you know, we saw uh, somebody who was an Ayurvedic practitioner who helped kind of guide some lifestyle changes uh, with my mom for me and different things. And, and luckily I was in remission uh, until my pregnancy. So that really like helped um, helped me and sort of began to shape my interest in the healing field and medicine. And so I went to med school, um, or rather went to college with with the, uh, I was in one of those, they used to call them locked-in programs. I feel like that's a horrible way to call them, but one of those programs where you like get accepted to med school and uh, college and med school at the same time. I think, you know, you, yeah. you might know if those were... I, I don't know what the right term is for them now, but yeah, direct admission or yeah, yeah, something like that. So um, I kind of went in knowing I was going to be going to med school. So we had the option to kind of do any major we wanted to. So I was like, oh, this is, you know, my time to explore this stuff. So I kind of put together courses in South Asian studies and um, Eastern religions and uh, community health history of medicine and all of that uh, so that I could make my way to India my senior year of college to study more Ayurveda. So that was a really formative time for me. Um, I got to spend time with my one of our family members. My father's great uncle was a very respected Vaidyan Ayurvedic physician in Kerala. He was quite old at that time and I wanted kind of be able to spend time with him because uh, he was already in his 80s by that time. And, um, you know, he he brought in so many dimensions to my understanding of health around um, lifestyle, uh, prevention. But he he always didn't, he, he never liked that word prevention because he said, you know, by preventing something, you're already insinuating the illness is going to come. So he used mm-hmm. to say, you're, you can be a positive health promoter. That was like the word he used <laughs> in English. It was really cute. But he, you know, really Im- impressed upon me that, you know, that idea that we can empower patients, um, that there's so many tools to help us stay healthy, to help us along the path of whatever illness we may have to bring ease through that um, and how much power that there is in helping somebody understand that they, they, there are skills out there that they can utilize themselves. And, you know, so that, that really kind of um, shaped 
shaped a lot of my thinking around how I wanted to be as a physician. Uh, he he kind of was more like a a helpful guide, you know, <laughs> and um, and uh, it was around that time too that I delved a lot more into as I was learning about Ayurvedic philosophy and yoga philosophy, contemplative philosophies. Um, and I started a more formal meditation practice at that time, starting with mantra meditation. Um, and then when, you know, when I went into med school, that meditation practice really served me and was my refuge, um, you know, as through all the stresses of med school. Um, and, and also during med school, I really was struggling because, you know, my vision of this idyllic vision I had of what I, the type of physician I wanted to be and, you know, the, 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 the path that I was seeing in front of me just didn't feel like it was aligning. And so that meditation practice really helped me to, you know, come home to myself, but also just kind of keep trying to stay connected to that intention for to serve and, and all those kind of things. Um, and so um, I ended up starting a residency in medicine. And during my intern year, my husband had um, a really wonderful opportunity to work abroad. And so it was a natural time for me to sort of take a little pause in my medical practice to join him. We were newlyweds. Um, so it was really funny because a lot of the older physicians attendings were like, you should totally go, you know, medicine will always <laughs> be here. <laughs> you know, now's the time to go explore. You, you know, you can always come back. Um, the younger ones were like, you're crazy to leave in the middle of residency. <laughs> 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 um, but so, so we, we went abroad and it happened to be in India where he had his um, first assignment. And so, you know, I got to kind of, reconnect with Ayurveda again. I did some more um, kind of informal study where I, I had the opportunity to, I spent time at an Ayurveda clinician's office. So in the mornings before he saw patients, he, I would have kind of one-to-one -one discussions and then we'd see patients. Um, and, you know, through that, that process, um, you know, again, I, it, it was kind of just a, a reconnection to all these things that I had 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 enjoyed and felt so fulfilled learning about in college to sort of remember again. Um, and then uh, my husband had another opportunity this time in France. And so we were, I, we were like, okay, well, I'm definitely not going back to medicine right away. So we decided <laughs> to start a family. I had a couple of kids and <laughs> uh, <laughs> that took up lots of time and lots of love and, and all that stuff. But it was also a beautiful time to engage in my practice and all those, you know, things you learn about mindfulness when it comes into play with motherhood, Manisha, as you know, you know, <laughs> it's like the, the perfect playground to explore uh, not only how to be there with all, all of the stresses, but, um, you know, that tapping into the playfulness and, and that childlike quality inside and, and how to nurture that, keep nurturing it in my kids, right? That was, that was the other thing too. Um, and then we, you know, pretty soon I was, I was, uh, getting a little bit stressed out on mom brain <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I need to get back and back into my career, you know? <laughs> so, um, my husband was able to get transferred back to the U S so that I could finish residency. So by the time I came back, many of my peers had 
finished their residency programs and a lot of them um, were like, oh, you know, you should really think about preventive medicine because it really aligns with all the things that you're interested in. So fortunately, mm-hmm. I was able to get into a program where my husband was working in Buffalo. And by the time I came back to medicine, it was like there was all this uh, new evidence for the the role of meditation and mindfulness in healthcare, um, which was so such so refreshing because, you know, when I left, I mean, it was at that time where if I'd probably tried to share meditation, everyone would have said I was a quack. Exactly. <laughs> the conservative medical area that we were um in new york so so it was just um you know how they say sometimes the universe has like that bigger plan i think i needed to take that break and come back at the the time that i did um my residency director was really open to me exploring um different mind body modalities and so i was able to take some graduate um clinical psych courses and my mentor was someone who was a psychiatrist who taught MBSR. She was also a yoga teacher. So that was really valuable to be able to really not only delve into MBSR and the curriculum, but also um, as it relates to yoga philosophy and Buddhist philosophy and and all of that stuff. It was really um, a beautiful time to to explore all of that. And when we, uh, when I finished up residency, my husband again had another opportunity to Mm. go abroad. And this time when we were going abroad, I thought, okay, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to do what I love, which is this, you know, teaching mindfulness and and bridging that clinically. Um, And so, so that's what I sort of committed to. And we've, we, after that, we lived in Vietnam, we lived in the UK and fortunately every, everywhere we've gone, I've been able to sort of find a space um, to do that. So when we were in Vietnam, I was able to teach um, eight-week mindfulness courses, actually at a, a family practice that was treating expats, so people from UK, Europe, um, other places of the world that were coming to work in Vietnam, um, and uh, did stuff at the kids' schools. That's um, so wonderful. Yeah, and then um, when we came, there was, there was a period of time between that when my girls and I moved back home. My, my father was quite unwell. He, um, he was diagnosed with cancer when I was in residency, went into remission, but, uh, he had another recurrence of it. Um, and so the girls and I moved home, um, to kind of be with my parents. And so we lived with them for that last year of my father's life. And, um, so, you know, during that time too, it, it also really, brought to light to me the, um, you know, of course, what my dad was going through, but then watching my mom as the, as the primary caregiver um, and all of the things that she was going through as well. So um, uh, after that, I was, um, you know, in conversation with some of my colleagues back where I had done my residency and they're like, oh, would you like to put together something for caregivers? Because one of my friends here, all of her uh, research was on parents and caregivers of, of cancer patients. So I was able to kind of um, also uh, create a little program around mindful self-care and self-compassion for caregivers, which um, I did here and then again in the UK. Um, so during that time when we were home here with my family, 
uh, my girls were here. So it was kind of like reliving my childhood a, a little bit because I got to now see my dad with my own girls and um, the ways that he was kind of, they, they had learned a lot about um, mindfulness, obviously from me. And then also we were really fortunate when we lived in Vietnam because their, um, the international school they went to integrated mindfulness and positive psychology into their curriculum K through 12 while we were there. And so they every day they paused twice a day for 10 minutes and the whole school, including the staff and, you know, everybody um, paused and they would do either teacher led or student led mindfulness practices. So that was really great for me because now it became not this thing that they just did at home with us. You know, it was like, oh, all their friends were doing it too. So, <laughs> so it was therefore and, cool. <laughs> So yeah, so <laughs> it was not just this thing we did. And, and it really, that couple of years of doing that also helped that, like integrate that for them. So they already were, you know, really open to a lot of these things. So then, you know, when they would see what my dad was doing, it was like, my mom used to tease that my dad was like a magnet for them. As soon as he'd like open up the, you know, our little altar area, you know, they'd be peeking around and one of them would end up on his lap and Aww. they'd be like asking all these questions. And so um, it, it was really, kind of, it was really beautiful to sort of see that. And then to be able to, um, for my dad, kind of be able to, to engage in that inquiry with them too, was, was really fun. So mm -hmm. a lot of these experiences are, are basically what inspired the book that you mentioned that I wrote, um, Finding Ohm, which... Um, you know, it was that, that year that we were at home and I was so excited because there was all these kids books now on yoga and meditation, you know, and I was like, oh, this is great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we were home for a year and I was, so I was buying a bunch of books on Amazon because, you know, when we were abroad, we don't always have easy access to U.S. publications and things like that. So I had ordered like this big Amazon order of books <laughs> and we were going through them and my dad was like, you know, like. Oh, this is interesting. Like there's none of them that have like, you know, South Asian kids or Indian families or, you know, anything in them. And, and like, I was just so excited that there were books about the topic. I didn't, you know, I didn't even notice that. And when he said it, I was like, wow, like that's, that's true. You know? And so, um, you know, we really, he was like, oh, like, you know, you should write something. And I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, a year after he passed, Priyanka, my youngest, uh, was like, oh, remember when Apupa was like, oh, you should write a book. And, and she was like, you know, I'm going to be the artist for that book. So let's <laughs> write this book. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so that was kind of how it all started. We just started brainstorming um, around one of their favorite mantras. And so, um, you know, we're, with that, with, with them and their memories and, um, so that was kind of like the first blossomings of, of this whole book, <laughs> the mm. book idea. <laughs> you know, I, I always, I, as in terms of creativity, I always loved writing. Um, and I always imagined if there was going to be a book in me, it would probably be something like around health, like something for adults. You know, I, I never imagined it might be in this form as kids books. Um, but once, you know, once the idea came up and we began that whole, you know, creative process, it was like, oh, like, you know, th there, there's something here. Um, 
And so it was kind of, it was uh, a, a fun letting go into that creative process and kind of just, just allowing myself to be with something that I, that I, I never thought for myself. You know, so. Right. And I actually think the book is quite appropriate for adults as well, to be honest. I mean, I felt like I actually learned so much even as an adult reading the book um, about mindfulness and meditation and mantra. And, uh, you know, you, I feel like even though it's a children's book, um, there's really quite a depth to it that is informative and uh, compelling for people of all ages. Uh, that, that, thank you for saying that, Manisha, and that, that was my intention. Um, you know, so one thing in, as you know, growing up, uh, in an Indian home, it's a culture of storytelling and mm-hmm. you often hear the same stories over and over, you know, you'll hear it maybe during festival times or, or whatever. And then, you know, as you age, you're hearing the same stories and maybe you're now the one telling the stories. And so what I what I appreciated, you know, from being a child hearing the stories to being an adult, maybe reading them more intellectually and then being a mom and retelling is how much at each stage, how I gleaned different things from the same story. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so my I wanted to create books, yes, that were attractive for kids, but that could really be for the whole family. Um because I, I don't know if this is the same for you. For, for me, becoming a, becoming a mom and sharing these teachings um, was also a real big time of, although I had always appreciated and loved you know, our culture, but even more of a deepening of relationship with our tra- traditions and culture. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like a revisiting and relearning and seeing with new eyes. And I imagine there are a lot of us in our generation who are now becoming parents and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, thinking about ways of, of integrating things and bringing that cultural identity alive, these old teachings alive in ways. And so, um, I wanted to design something that, that could be enjoyed, you know, by us parents as well. So that was, (laughs) that was my hope with the book, you know? So, and there are, there are layers and layers to it. I think, um, you know, and if whether you practice meditation or not, I think you mm-hmm. you would you would really uh, be able to connect to something within the book. You know, I really appreciate Justin listening to your story, and there were parts of your story that I actually was previously not aware of. You know, um, really, that as also somebody who you know has been in sort of this process of medical education and training and maybe has had a more traditional path in some ways, I feel Mm -hmm. like there has been, as you describe your journey, such a deep listening um, to what's calling to you and a a willingness or an openness to um, maybe stepping out of a trajectory that you're on in order to explore whatever is calling you, uh, which I just think is so beautiful. I mean, I know the decision to for example, step away from, you know, internship and, you know, travel and, you know, pursue other aspects of education and experience is a huge decision, you know, and I just, I I so love what you share about 
just how you've listened to yourself so closely along the way and let your decisions come from that that place rather than maybe external expectations or what the traditional way might be. Yeah, and I, I think that's I think that's uh, the beauty of of contemplative practice is that you allow that space to sort of listen in. And I and um, you know it, it isn't always easy <laughs> to, to to heed that call either. You know, and and then that's where the the practice steps in again to kind of continue to give you that support or or that grounding from inside too. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I often wonder if I didn't have that practice or that time that I set aside, you know, would I have even listened or heard it? Um, perhaps I might've been in a different place. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who knows, but, mm. but I think that, um, that taking that time to, to listen in, um, and lean into, to that, uh, can can be a never-ending blossoming mm. <laughs> of, of of who we are inside, yeah. Because I'm learning more and more about myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Can you share with us um, maybe a little bit about what your current practice looks like? You know, your current meditation practice, and also your current creative practices, and what you perhaps are discovering if there is, you know, an intersection between the two for you. Yeah, wonderful. Um, so, you know, my practice, as I'm sure many people's practice, it's always evolving and shifting and changing with time and adapting, you know. So there I there were times, especially before kids, where I was much more regular with my sitting and and all of that, but as especially as a new mom and navigating um, schedule and time, I really had to learn to sort of give myself the grace of like, you know, just like a workout or whatever it was. Like, it doesn't have to be the full whatever time that I think in my head it has to be. You know, so so like if it's like for ten minutes when I'm nursing or you know trying to put her, put one of them to bed to just be there and be mindful and um, be with my presence, their presence, you know, that, that was good enough for me. And so I really allowed myself that, um, that freedom to let the practice be whatever it's going to be, but still stay committed to it. And so it would be a mix of informal practices or connections throughout the day Um and then now, you know, that the kids are a little bit older, of course, I it's I have a lot more uh, flexibility to build it back in. So um, I have little practices throughout the day, whether it's when I'm laying in bed and waking up in the morning, a short practice to connect with intention. Um, my I often sit right after my a workout because I find that after I move my body and have discharged some energy, it's a lot easier to sit for a while. So I'll integrate a little bit of sitting time there. Um, and then again, in the evening, usually I'll have another time to sit. Um, and I, ha- I haven't really, um, I let myself be flexible with it. Um, so I, d- I don't put a lot of um, 
boundaries or expectations about myself with that. And in terms of what the practice looks like, um, you know, it's a mix of mantra practice and a mix of open awareness practices, um, loving kindness practices. Um, so it's, it's usually a blend of all of those. And in terms of practices that help me connect with creativity, I find that anytime I sit, especially in open awareness, um, that, that, uh, remembering that it's okay to let go and that, um, openness to kind of just flow with ideas, um, often arises. And so usually before I'll sit to write, I usually have a period of writing time that I'll do in the mornings. Um, I find that doing a practice really helps me to uh, not only focus, but sort of open up to ideas for writing. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I'm interested, maybe you could speak more on, um, you know, this weaving out of the the meditation and yoga. So you're, you know, trained. I really love to, like, you really went in and trained, even though you you were raised in um, in a religion with, with, with Hinduism and meditation and whatnot. You went and got trained in MBSR and you went through all of that training. You went through all the yoga training and, of course, medically trained. Um, how do those all relate to each other now, like in your own kind of individual holistic way, if you will, <laughs> like the yeah. synergy between all of that. And then um, like infusing it in a children's book, like how is all of that infused, yeah. you know, for you? That's a great question. Um, and I, I really think I, um, the way I see any spiritual tradition, the way I see contemplative practice, um, I, 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 because I learned it in the context of Ayurveda, to me, I, I always come back to um, that relationship to nurturing health, wellness, nur inner nourishment. And so to me, all of those things play a role in, in nurturing, in nurturing that. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, whatever spiritual practice you engage in, whether Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, all, all of them play such a beautiful role in helping us with building understanding. And I think the contemplative practice just enriches relationship to that and to, into our presence and awareness, of course, as well. Um, and when we're resting into that awareness, of course, that interconnection arises, that remembrance of, yes, it's um, all the things that I might personally do to nourish health that this interconnection with how, you know, society and the environment around us, the roles that, that all of this plays the collective, you know, in, in nourishing collective health too. And um, when it comes to the book, you know, part of it was, um, part of the intention was, yes, to share this beautiful practice that can, that can enrich our well-being. Um, but I really also wanted it to be rooted in, cultural and, and spiritual traditions that I grew up in, mainly because I, I know that there are a lot of, um, well, a lot of people who might be curious about about other traditions, but also a lot of 
uh, South Asians in the diaspora who, um, you know, are, are looking to perhaps reconnect. And I think all of, all of these really help with um, reconnect that reconnection to identity and culture can be a really strong aspect of of belonging and, and understanding yourself, especially for for kids um, in the diaspora. And so part of this writing books journey is also to help um, create a way for, for kids, you know, in the South Asian diaspora to see themselves, but also to perhaps gain a, a richer understanding of their own history, cultural history and background, their own spiritual traditions. Um, and as we know, all of that sort of helps in that identity formation, which can be really important in formative years and um, is another thing that helps to support our health as well, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, so yeah, so that, you know, I, I kind of see it definitely all intertwined and how healing stories can be and just storytelling in general, you know, mm -hmm. um, that, so that, that, that's really where a lot of, a lot of my intention around the book comes from and, and the books to follow. Yeah. Books to follow. I love the sound of that. <laughs> I love the sound of that. And just some beautiful threads that we can see through your journey. You know, you mentioned sort of at the very beginning of our conversation, you know, growing up in a home and in a culture where storytelling is a huge part of our tradition and how that has evolved into your own form of storytelling. Um, maybe a gift from your dad and your daughter in a way that Absolutely. you didn't necessarily envision for yourself at first. And also the theme of prevention, you know, it's, it struck me that you came back and did a preventative medicine residency, you know, and we were talking about even just that word prevention, um, right. <laughs> and how your teacher in India had, you know, such a strong association or feeling about that word. So just these beautiful threads that kind of weave their way through and such, kind of interesting um, and kind of magical ways as you describe yeah. it. Well, you know, what, one thing that I've um, learned is along, you know, every time we've moved countries, there's always, I've always had to let go a little bit of what I thought I should be doing or what I, uh, because I never knew what I would be doing. Like, yeah. you know, would, would this be a place where they might be open to this or not, or what community will I end up working with, or how will this intention to serve and um, this intention to keep sharing, you know, teachings of mindfulness and and presence and yoga, how how will they manifest? I don't always know, you know, wherever it is that we go. And, um, you know, my husband is one who likes to have like, uh, really defined goals for himself. Like every year he's like goal setting and you know, all these <laughs> kind of things. And for me, it's, it has, he gets frustrated with me. <laughs> uh, for me, it's always been more. And I think because I've, I've always had to let go here and there, um, it's been a tuning in to really intention around, um, you know, that, that broader, how, how do I want to be serving and how do I want to feel as, as I'm doing that? Like, what, what is the, what is that feeling tone that I want to be connected to in terms of whether it's that sense of authenticity from inside or integrity or love or, or, you know, what, whatever that is. Um, 
sometimes there's no words for it, right? Like, so it's kind of making sure that I'm making choices with my energy that align with that. And, and so it, it, I, I think allowing myself to stay open has allowed my path to kind of be this, it's circuitous, but it makes sense somehow. <laughs> right. Not necessarily being tied to how it should look on the surface, yes. but that it represents the intention that's underneath. Correct. Correct. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> well, you know, Rashmi, I'm, I think you and I connected, I think through social media and I'm so grateful that we did. And, um, you've just been, even though we're on opposite ends of the country, our paths have weaved together in such beautiful ways. And I feel very, very grateful for that. Um, and so likewise, Manisha, I, I think I, I reached out to you too. Um, well, I loved your poetry, which is beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, and also, as you know, you know, wherever I've been, um, it's also been, uh, there aren't always a lot of people teaching, you know, and so it's also been a little bit lonely for me in mm. that journey. And so it's so nice to connect with other teachers and, um, and, and hopefully I'm hoping you and I will sometime be teach together somewhere. I'm sure, so. <laughs> I'm sure that's that's in the future. We, we already had a brief you, stint, a, a very brief meditation we got to do together recently. But um, yeah, so how would our audience go about, you know, finding out more about you and your work and all that you're sharing? What are the best, you know, best ways for them to, to stay in touch? Yeah, um, great. So, um, well, my website, is, though I need to update my website, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's ongoing. Yeah. It's awesome, it's, by the way. It's rsbismarckmd.com. Um, and then in terms of the book, Finding Ohm, um, my publish, it's published with Mango and Marigold Press. You could visit their website. On their website, um, the book also has a freely downloadable curriculum guide that includes um, guided activities, guided meditation activities, and reflection activities that families can do together. Um, there's also a, a beautiful section on on OM and the OM symbol and cultural appreciation versus appropriation on there too. So there's a lot to explore there in that freely downloadable guide. Um, I am teaching meditation with yoga medicine with Tiffany Cruikshank. She and I are doing a yin and meditation module for yoga teachers that's coming up this fall actually so it's a um it's it's online and we have um uh, live zoom sessions every couple of weeks so um she's doing all of her online teacher training programs by quarter so this is for the the fall quarters you can find me there at yoga medicine um there's some other uh, other things that are on their website too that i have on there and then I also have a few meditations on their online streaming service, the Yoga Medicine Online. Um, what else? I'm also just started to teach mindfulness and meditation as a part of Dr. Siri Chand Khalsa's Ayurvedic Foundations for Clinicians course, which is a 12 weeks sort of self care course for physicians and clinicians. So we just started um, started that a couple of weeks ago, and that's been a really fun place to. Um, teach uh, meditation and mindfulness 
kind of melded with Ayurveda as well. I'm so used to teaching more in like the MBSR format. So it's been really fun for me to create a, a bit of a curriculum that, that ties in um, much more of Ayurveda and the elements and senses and, and all of those things too. So it's been really fun to do that. Let me see. I think I got it. I think I got all the things. <laughs> and your, your, your Instagram handle as well oh, as Oh, my Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram and Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's just Rashmi Bismarck, at Rashmi Bismarck for both of those. Yeah. Thank Perfect. you. Well, this was such a beautiful conversation and we so appreciate everything that you've shared. I feel like we're going to have to have you on again yeah, to continue the you. conversation and um, continue to do a deeper dive and you know, we we always um, wrap up our uh, podcast with just a brief meditation to close our time together. So um, if you feel inclined, we would love to have you um, guide one for us. Sure, that sounds wonderful. Um, sorry, did you guys hear somebody just flushed the toilet? <laughs> Too funny. Did you no, hear that? I didn't hear oh, that at all. <laughs> But I often wonder that when I'm on Zoom yeah. and my wife goes Sorry. in the bathroom, I'm like, did people just hear the flesh in the toilet? Like my office meditation slash Zoom room yeah. is yeah, right across from the bathroom. So it's so funny. Oh, yeah. That's just real life. Yeah, yeah. this Sorry. like in this COVID time of doing everything virtually, we've all I had know. to become so much more comfortable with our humanity. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Being out there. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Shall we settle into a practice? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Sounds good. Just finding a comfortable seat wherever you are, or maybe you're standing or laying down. And just noticing what it feels like in this position that you've chosen for yourself. It feels like to pause. Maybe simply by noticing what it feels like, be supported by the seat beneath you or the cushions. Feeling your feet resting into the floor. Beneath the floor is that connection to earth, which in some way is connecting all of us, listening together through space and time. that gentle, soft support of the earth. And just noticing how that grounding into the earth might be balanced by a gentle effort to sit upright or stand upright. All the way through the crown of the head. Noticing this position that feels grounded and open, relaxed and alert. Maybe just settling in here, the breath or whatever anchor you'd like to choose. Maybe it's feeling the feet and the hands, noticing the motion of the breath. 
allowing the attention to just gather here into this moment. And as we rest here, I'd love to share a little poem that I recently wrote. Earth makes fragrances lush. Water helps flavors thrive. Fire gives views a light. Air brings textures alive. Space is the space for all things to arrive. Now space makes space for sounds. Sounds and silence turn to song. Nature's wisdom is freely flowing. Can my attention and care follow along? What do I sense around me? What do I sense inside me? Taking a few moments here to be with that flow of natural wisdom. Relaxing open the attention to sense what's here. Remembering the breath is always flowing. The connection to earth always supporting. Opening to this flow of wisdom in life. When you're ready, if you'd like to maybe place a hand on the heart. Taking a moment to notice the quality of your presence right now. Maybe bringing a little bit of gratitude to yourself for pausing for a practice, connecting to that nature's wisdom that's always right here. Maybe remembering a little hope you might have for yourself. Whenever you're ready, letting the hand rest by your side. If your eyes are closed, you can let them open. And thanks for joining me in a little practice.